All right, Saul Company, how we doing tonight? Oh, good. Yeah, that's right, baby. That's right. Yeah, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe Nealis. I'm the Saul Company director of the greatest Saul Company in the nation for the greatest college. Go Bears, baby. Come on. That's right. That's right. Uh, hey, um, where team uh, team Latte? Where you at? I see a few of you. That's great, right? The few, the proud. Team Lumberjack, where you at? That's great. Anybody have like fake beards? Anybody? Evie's got one. Sarah's got one. That's awesome. Oh, Haley's got one too. That's amazing. That's real, man. I wish I'd grow something like that. Nah, dude. That's amazing. Uh, well, hey, uh, man, I'm glad you're here tonight. Um, maybe you're here and you're brand new and you're like, why is everybody dressed like this? Does this always happen? No, it doesn't always happen. Um, but every once in a while, we'll do hangouts after Salt, and this is an opportunity for you to make memories, make friends. And so if you're new here, you absolutely need to come after Salt tonight. We're going to hang out, have a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you guys checked the weather this past weekend, um, or no, this coming weekend. Did you guys know it's supposed to snow on Sunday? Yeah. yeah. You guys knew that? Walker's excited. Walker's the only person in this room that's excited, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, guys, I, I, don't, I don't hate the snow. Like, it's pretty early on for it, I think. Um, I don't mind the snow, especially around the holiday season. Anybody with me? It's like, man, you're listening to your Christmas music, and you're like, oh, the snow's fine. That's great. After that, man, after that, and get rid of it. Um, I especially hate driving in the snow. Anybody with me? Yeah, yeah. Especially when it's dark out. Um, guys, a couple, a couple years ago, we had a huge snowstorm here in Iowa, you know, we get like one, like one or two, like, you know, January, February, and it was one of those times. And so I'm at the grocery store on my way home, and the snowstorm begins, like this blizzard begins. And uh, so I'm driving, and guys, it's, I'm in an area of Iowa where it's like, there's like no lights anywhere. It's just like fields, which is like the last place you want to be driving where you can't see anything, right? Like nothing to guide you. And so all I can see, all my headlights can show me is like 10 feet in front of me, and I mean, if there was a car 15 feet in front of me, I had no idea because it was like this, this sheet of snow falling down from the sky and I couldn't see. And so it's one of those car rides. Maybe you've been there before. It's one of those car rides that like you turn off the music and you're just praying to God. You're like, please, Jesus, I love you, but don't take me now, please. Right? Um, and so man, I'm having one of those moments and it's taken me, you know, it should be maybe five minutes to get home. It's taking me like 25 minutes because I'm going 10 miles an hour, okay? Um, but there was a moment when I was driving when I saw lights from afar. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to die out here, right? <laughs> like, I'm almost home. Um, when I was driving, I was in the dark for so, so long. And so when I saw all the lights, I was like, man, I made it. Like, I'm not going to die out here, right? Like, I'm, I'm home. Now, why do I share that? Because, you see, the passage we're going to look at tonight, Jesus, uh, he's claiming to do something similar to us. That more specifically, that he is a light, that he's the kind of light that welcomes us back home in the midst of the darkness. You guys are like, where was he going with that? I promise I landed, okay? Jesus, he's a light. He claims to be a light. And so if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and flip to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, that's where we're going to be. And if you didn't bring your Bible, that's all right. Hey, we, we have Bibles over there for you to grab if you don't have one at home. And we're also going to have the verses up on the screen. So hope that's helpful to you. But guys, tonight we're kicking off a series that we're calling I Am, right? And it's not a series about us. It's a series about King Jesus. 
You see, in the Gospel of John, the fourth gospel, the fourth, fourth written account of Jesus, there are, seven, there are seven moments where Jesus, he's got what are called I am statements. It's when Jesus looks at all of us and he tells us who he is, what he came here to do. He says, I am fill in the blank. And he uses these metaphors, these images, and he does that tonight. And so the goal of this series is to dive deeper and to look deeper into who Jesus really is. And so maybe you're here and you're like, man, I've been following Jesus for a while, right? Man, is there anything I can learn here? Absolutely. Because the more you learn about Jesus, the more you realize you don't know. Jesus, he's going to take us deeper into who he is. And maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know about who Jesus is, right? I have friends who've told me about him, right? I've got Man, I, I know what my parents or my professor or you name it thinks about them, but I don't know what Jesus has to say about himself. That's the point of this series. That's what we're going to be doing. And so um, before we hop into John chapter, I want to give a little bit of context. In the book of John, right? So it's this autobi- excuse me, this biography that John writes of Jesus. He's an eyewitness, one of his closest followers. Um, and he has a pretty unique perspective given the fact that he's so close to Jesus. And at this point in the story, Jesus, he's at this huge festival, He's at this Jewish festival, and all eyes are on him because he's the guy at this point. Like, chapters 1 to 7, Jesus is making claims about himself, and he's stirring up controversy wherever he goes. People are following him, and people are rejecting him. They don't know what to do with him, but man, people have their eyes on him, right? He's at this Jewish festival, and people are probably looking at him like, man, what's going to happen? What is he going to say next? What's he going to do next? Man, they're eager, right? Pen and paper out, they're ready to go. And here's what we see. John chapter 8, verse 12, says this. Again, it'll be on the screen if you need it. Verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And so the Pharisees, they said to him, Man, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus, he says, man, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the Father who sent me. Man, he testifies about me. And they asked him, well, then where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because, this, because his hour had not yet come. Can I pray for us? Jesus, we want to meet you in a fresh way tonight. God, maybe we've heard these verses before that you're the light of the world and we kind of... Um, man, we think, man, is there anything else you could teach us? God, I pray that you would meet us in a fresh way, Jesus, that you have come, you've come to rescue us from the darkness. Would you meet us here tonight through the preaching of your word? We pray this in your name. Amen. So the question we're asking is, who is Jesus? Who is he? And if you're taking notes, point number one is this, out of the darkness. Out of the darkness. Um, Guys, uh, at the very beginning of the service, we have everybody's favorite thing, meet and greet time, right? Everybody loves it, right? It's a time when introverts, right, they, they dread it. Extroverts, man, they thrive, right? Um, we do that, man, guys, it's, it's a great opportunity for you to get to know people. Man, go across the room, meet new people. It's a great way to meet people. One of my favorite things, however, is at the end of each service, I'll go over to the welcome table and I get to meet a ton of new people. Like, I've had a chance to have a lot of great conversations. I met up with some of you guys for coffee and got to know you guys' stories. It's one of my favorite things. 
Um, and one of the questions that I'll often ask people right after I maybe ask about their story or maybe and now I know their name, right? One of the questions I'll ask is, hey, what do you do? Right? We've all been asked that question before. It's kind of that small talk, right? You're getting to know each other. What do you do? And the reason I love asking that question is because, man, what you do with your time tells you a lot about yourself, right? So your major, what you do for a career, for a job, it tells me a lot about yourself. And so I love to ask that question. A job, man, it tells you or how you spend your time, a career, a job, a major, man, it tells you a lot about who you are. And it's almost as though Jesus does this in our passage. Jesus, he tells us in his own words what his job is, like what he came here to do, what he is here for, why he exists. And it's in this moment that he introduces himself to us to tell us what he's all about. And what does he say? Jesus, is he going to be clear to us? Is he going to tell us, man, I'm the man, right? I'm the guy you're looking for. Here's what he says. He looks at that crowd of people and he says, I am the light. I'm the light of the world. That's who I am. What am I here for? Who am I? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And at that moment, you probably would have heard people uh, 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 gasp in that room. You would have heard people shocked because Jesus was making claims about himself that no one in their right mind would have made about themselves. Huge claims, right? No one would have made those in their right mind unless, of course, they were telling the truth. And so Jesus, he makes this huge claim where he says, I am the light of the world. But to understand what he means by that, we need to look a little bit deeper into this passage. And so what's going on right now, the context of this passage, we see in chapter 7 that Jesus, he goes over to this festival. And this festival, depending on what your translation says, it's either, it's the festival, it's all referring to the same thing. Jesus is at the festival of shelters, or maybe your translation says the festival of tabernacles or festival of booths. He's at a festival. So imagine for a second a giant outdoor party, right? Like the kind of party you want to be at, right? Music is blaring. Man, some of the best food, the smoked meats, cheeses, drinks. Man, you know what I'm talking about. Man, it's awesome. And people are dancing. You're dancing with your friends and your family all under the lights. It's this incredible, incredible moment. And we see the Festival of Tabernacles commanded by God to be instituted every single year in Leviticus chapter 23. And what this does, this festival was a yearly celebration that commemorated how God led their ancestors through the wilderness, how God led his people out of slavery. And that's a pretty big deal. I mean, wouldn't you want to celebrate that? And so Jesus, or excuse me, the God, he he commands that this is something that they practice every single year. And inside this temple, they would light four just giant lights, four giant lamps They would light these, and they would be so bright that people all throughout Jerusalem could see the temple. It was almost like this giant beam of light. And outside of just mere aesthetic value, like, man, I'm sure it looked really beautiful. Why did they have to have it be so bright? Right, like, you ever, uh, man, when you're driving and someone's got those LED lights, and you're like, man, why did you got those, right? Like, turn off the high beams, right? Um, Man, it was kind of like that. It was so bright in that area. Now, why was that the case? Why did God institute that they had to have these four giant lamps? You see, it served a greater purpose than just making everything look good. It was a reminder of the light of God's presence, guiding his people out of slavery from Egypt. Look at Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. It's going to be on the screen. Exodus chapter 13, it says this. The Lord, speaking of when he brought them out of Egypt, says, The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day, and in a pillar of fire, right, a pillar of light to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and it never left its place in front of the people. And so 
Guys, here's Jesus, right? He knows exactly where he is. He knows exactly what he's saying about himself. He looks, and it's almost like he points at those lamps. It's almost like he points at those lamps and says, hey, the light of God's presence that led our ancestors out of uh, Egypt, yeah, that's me. I am that God. I've come to do something even greater than that, right? That exodus out of the slavery of Egypt, man, I've come actually to do something even greater than that. I am that God. I am God, and I've come to rescue you from the darkness is what he's saying. When he says that I'm the light of the world, he says, man, I'm, I'm God come down to rescue you from a greater slavery. I'm here to rescue you from darkness. And so what does that mean, though? Like, what does it mean? Like, Jesus, if you were to come in this room and he says, you know, he puts his hand on your shoulder and says, hey, I'm here to rescue you from the darkness. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, are we in a movie right now? Like, I think a lot of us, we have ideas of, um, and we're familiar with light and, and, and dark language, right? So any Star Wars fans here? Anybody? Yeah? Um, the dark side, is it good or bad? That's bad, right? It's bad. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's, hollow, it's around Halloween, and so you get those, like, weirdly creepy ads on your, your TV, and you're like, I didn't ask for this. Why is this on here? Um, but you get those ads, or maybe you, you get a friend who um, is, is recommending a movie to, to you, and they look at you, and they're like, well, I don't know how much I would recommend it. It's a little dark, right? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a, well, one person says it's good. <laughs> it's, it's a bad thing, right? It usually means it's, it's, it's dark, man. It's, it's, it's scary. It's evil, right? And so what is this, what's this darkness in our lives that Jesus, he came to rescue us from? Right, we're familiar with that language. You see, it's a little bit like that. See, darkness is the metaphor the Bible uses to describe life without God. Whenever you read anything about darkness in Scripture in the context of spirituality, He's talking, it's talking about life without God. It's life without God's presence or guidance in your life. That's what it means to live in the darkness. And there's no greater evil, no scarier thing than that. It's, a, it's to live a life without God. So, um, man, was anybody here when they were growing up, were they scared? Were you guys scared of the dark, right? Raise your hand if that was you, right? Anybody still scared of the dark? Yeah, a couple of us. Right, I'm still scared of the dark, y'all. Man, if, if I was in this building and it was dark, I'm terrified. I'm singing or something. I'm running out, right? You know? Anybody sing when they're scared in the dark? That's what I do. I don't know why. Yeah, anyway, I'm letting you guys in. I'm letting you guys in, okay? It's a vulnerable moment, okay? Um, no, but I, I, guys, I remember I have these distinct memories. I don't know if you guys did this as a kid. I have these distinct memories of playing um, hide-and-go-seek in the dark in, in, in my grandparents' basement with my siblings. And I remember all of the bumps and bruises that I would have because I kept running into furniture, right? Like, I'm running into the coffee table, I'm stubbing my toe on a chair or something, right? <laughs> but I think that one of the reasons we're so scared about darkness is because we don't know what's in front of us. Like, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know, right? Especially if you're playing hide-and-go-seek, man, where's that chair at, right? You're going to run into it, right? We don't, we can't see reality in front of us. And to live without Jesus, man, it's just like that is what scripture says. You can't see reality for what it is. That life apart from God is actually really not life at all, right? You're blind to what truly satisfies is what scripture says when you live in the darkness. I mean, you've got this God-given desire in your heart, this longing in your heart to belong, to find joy, to be loved, to have a life of purpose. And so in the darkness, we reach or you reach out for the next experience, the next party, the next hookup, the next drink, the next thing, reaching or doing your best to find what your soul is searching for, but you're doing it in the dark and you don't know where you're looking. See, the high 
It fades. That hookup, it complicates your life. And that drink led to some decisions that you regret, that you wish you would have never made. So you can't find what your soul is searching for because Jesus says, man, you're in the dark, friend. And the reason you're not satisfied in this life is because you're in the dark. You can't see. And there have been a lot of successful actors and, and, and athletes um, who have really come out and, and talked about this kind of darkness, this kind of blindness that they feel in their life, right? This, man, that, that, that they can't seem to find what they're looking for. I, I, a really profound example um, that I remember hearing a while ago was from uh, Tom Brady, uh, the greatest quarterback of all time, okay? Yes, amen, I think Ben said that, hallelujah. Okay, great, yes, but listen, guys, Tom Brady, um, he had this moment when he was being interviewed, and he's at the top of his career, I mean, uh, I mean, this is 2005 at this point. He had won three Super Bowls, right? He's, he's, got all, like he's got a ton of money. He's making millions and millions of dollars a year. Everybody knows who he is. He's played on the biggest stage of television, man. He's, a, he's been in many Super Bowls. Everybody knows who he is, man. He's got it all. And yet he says this in an interview. Listen to this. I'm just going to read the quote. How is it that I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, I reached my goal. This is it. But me, man, I think it's got to be more than this. This can't be what it's all, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? And at this point, guys, the interviewer, he looks at Tom Brady. He says, well, what do you think the answer is to that? What's the answer? And he kind of chokes up a little bit. It almost looks like he's holding back tears. And he says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. See, in the dark, you can't find what your soul is searching for. In the dark, you can't find what your soul is searching for. You're blind. You can't see. It's a life without God. It's a life without satisfaction. It's a life without meaning or joy. You see, we need light. We need the light of the world. Point number two, if you're taking notes, following the light. Following the light. See, there's a promise that Jesus makes to all of us who, who walk in the darkness, and that's all of us at some point in time, all of us who walk in darkness. He says this in verse 12. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? He promises you that you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. You don't have to keep walking in blindness anymore. You can see. You can have light. You see why? Because he's come to rescue you from living a life apart from God to living a life in obedience to him. You see, while you've been in the darkness, you've been blind to the truth. You've been believing lies like, man, you don't need God in your life. Lies like, man, I'll only be complete when I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or, man, I'll gain more followers on social media, live it up in the party scene, get A's in all my classes, make a lot of money. But by calling himself the light of the world, he's saying, listen, I've come to deliver you from that darkness, to deliver you from those lies, and to show you that I am the way. I've come to rescue you. You know what this means? If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian in this room, here's what this means. If you follow the light of the world, here's what this means. It's almost as though the lights have been turned on for you. You can see what you had missed all along prior to Jesus. What you used to be blind to, now you can see that that longing in your heart for satisfaction, 
The thing that, right, you, you, you were actually longing for God, but you were reaching for a drink. You were reaching for that girlfriend or boyfriend. You were reaching for the next experience, for that next party. But what you're realizing is that when Jesus brings you into the light, what you were really looking for all along was Jesus. You can see what you didn't see before. Jesus, he rescues you out of the darkness. You see that that unquenchable desire for unconditional love and acceptance that you're trying to find in a person and you find that Jesus, only, only he satisfies. You can see. You're no longer blind. You can see. You see, when you decide to follow Jesus, you finally see with clarity what you didn't know before. You see, your soul was made for the light of the world. Your soul was made for Jesus and nothing less will satisfy. Guys, there's a, there's a story I want to tell of, of a guy. Um, he, yeah, he... He went to college, or excuse me, you know, he, we'll start from the very beginning. He um, grew up in a Christian home, and his parents, his parents loved Jesus. They prayed for him all the time. They're like, man, I want our son to follow Jesus. Man, if you're, like, it's like when you're a parent, that's all you want. You want your child to follow Jesus. So they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying for this, for their son. And this son of theirs doesn't want anything to do with Christianity. Like, he sees the God of the Bible, and he's like, I don't want anything to do with that. So their parents, his parents are heartbroken. Eventually, he grows up, 18, moves out of his house, moves out of his parents' house, goes to college. And this guy, and he's smart, right? One of the smartest in his class. And so he goes to college, he studies a lot. One of the smartest in his class, but he also partied a lot. Because he had been looking all his life for some level of, of independence where he can go out and he can party and he can live the college life and hook up with any girl that he wanted to. He was living the college life that he'd been looking to or looking forward to for so long, but then years went by. Years went by of him having this pursuit. I mean, he had all the accolades. He had all the experiences that he could ask for, and he gets to the bottom of it. Just like with Tom Brady, he says, listen, I, I can't, this, there's got to be something more. And he finds Jesus. He finds Jesus, and eventually he writes one of the most famous quotes he says this about his conversion experience. When Jesus rescued him from the darkness, he says, God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. So what happened for him? What changed? Right? This man had it all. From the outside looking in, you're like, man, he's got everything that I would want. He's got everything. And yet he says, nothing is going to satisfy. I was living in the darkness. I had no idea what could really truly give me life, what could really truly satisfy until I met Jesus. And the light switch turned on. He rescued me from the darkness. See, the same thing that happened to him is the same thing that's happened to billions of people for the last 2,000 years and many of you in this room is that when you started following Jesus, the light switch turned on. Jesus, he rescued you from the darkness of life without God. He showed you that only he can satisfy. So is that your story? Are you still living in the darkness? So there's something interesting about this statement from Jesus, right? He says, I am the light of the world. And uh, Salt Company, we get our name from Matthew chapter 5, uh, uh, I believe verse 13. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. And then right after that, you know what he says? You are the light of the world. And it's like, wait a minute, Jesus, you're the light of the world. 
It's all about you. You're the light of the world. And Jesus, there's something that happens that when you follow him, remember how it says in verse 12, he says, hey, listen, if you follow me, you'll never have to walk in darkness. So something happens. Jesus, he looks at you and me, and if you begin following Jesus, he says, hey, listen, I'm the sun and you're the moon. You reflect me. You reflect me. You are the light of the world. I love, I'll just read Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Jesus says to his followers, if you're a Christian in this room, this is what he calls you to. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill, it can't be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So Jesus, again, he says, I'm the sun, you're the moon, you've got to reflect me. You got to reflect me. And so Christian in the room, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Like, do the people around you at work or at school, do they know that you follow Jesus? Have you asked yourself that question? Do they know that, they, that you follow Jesus? Right, like, I don't just mean that they know you go to church and you wear the Salt Company shirt and you got the Bible verse in your bio, right? Like, cool, you're checking off all the, like, Christian things, right? Um, but do they know that you follow Jesus? Does the life that you live, does it make them curious? Does it make them say, man, I want what they have? Like, I, I, man, I want what you have. Does your life, does it look like that? Jesus, he says that you are to be the light of the world, or could they be thinking? And I fear that this is true for some of you. Or could they be thinking? Man, there's nothing different about that guy. There's nothing different about that girl. He or she, they go to church they preach about Salt Company, how I should go, but man, not, man, they're not happy. They're just as sad as I am, or man, they just, but there's nothing different about them. They're talking about the same things that I am. There's just nothing different. What would they say about you? Jesus, he calls us to be the light of the world. And so Salt Company, I want you to just uh, think about something for a second. Who is the person in, in your mind, who is the person in your life who, man, they shine brightly for Jesus, like, think about that person. Like, somebody that you're like, man, when I think about somebody who's the light of the world, I mean, I think of this person. You know what I think of? I think about my grandparents. My grandparents are first-generation Christians. Um, they got saved. I mean, I, I'd love to tell their story again. I've told it a lot from the stage. But, guys, my, par- my grandparents were, I mean, just dead lost. Like, my, gran- my grandpa would show up to work drunk all the time, um, and somebody had the courage to invite him over to their house, share the gospel with him, and everything changed. Here's why I look up to my grandparents. They're in their 60s, 70s now, okay? When a lot of people are living in their dream vacation home, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're on their cruises. You know what my grandparents are doing? They're happier than anybody else I know. And they're serving in their local church. And they're helping people as young as us. No one followed Jesus. I was talking to my grandpa on the phone a couple days ago, and he was telling me that about two months ago, he was able to lead somebody to Jesus, and he's discipling him. Don't you want to have that kind of life? Man, when I think of somebody who shines bright for Jesus, man, I think of my grandparents, and I say, man, in 40 to 50 years to be half as faithful as you are, man, that's what I want. See, they would probably say to you, they're like, listen, they would, they would, if they were on the stage, if I were to give my grandparents a mic, they would probably say, hey, listen, I don't have a Bible degree. I don't know a lot, but I know one thing. Jesus is my light. 
I'm following him and I'm not turning back. They, don't, they would say, man, I don't know a lot, but I know one thing. Jesus, he saved me from, from darkness. He's changed my life. And man, I, I'm devoted my life to helping others do the same. Man, I want to shine brightly. And so let me ask you, does the way that you live cause people to lean in and wonder what's different about you? Does the way that you live cause people to think, man, I want what they have? See, if you follow Jesus, he calls you to reflect his light to the world around you, to shine brightly for Jesus. And so maybe for some of you guys, maybe some of you, Man, your next step to shine brightly for Jesus is to apply to be a student leader here at Salt Company. Like, maybe your next step to follow Jesus, a place where you can be challenged in your faith in a way that you haven't been challenged before, challenged to step up and lead, to lead out in prayer, to pursue people, to help them know and follow Jesus. Maybe that's your next step is to say, man, I'm going to apply for that. When applications open soon, man, you're like, man, that's something I want to do. Or maybe, guys, there's a lot of you who came to the late night for global missions. Praise God. But a lot of you, man, you're like, man, I don't know. I, I got a lot of questions. Hey, maybe your next step. Maybe your next step is to bring the light of Jesus overseas this summer. Guys, here's the fact. There are 23 million people in Southeast Asia, and statistically 98% of them do not know the hope of Jesus. They're in the darkness. See, you have a chance to be a light to them this summer. So I would encourage you, man, apply tonight. Like, man, don't, don't leave this place without filling out an application to do that. Maybe that's your next step to say, hey, I want to be challenged. I want to be a light. See, but our passage, it doesn't end there, right? Jesus, he declares he's the light of the world. It's great. We're tracking. But the Pharisees respond. Listen to how they respond. Verse 13 so the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus, again, he says, even if I testify by myself, my testimony is true because, man, I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, well, then where is your Father? You know neither me nor my Father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Our last point tonight is this, responding to the light. Responding to the light. Um, does anybody here root for a team that's been historically bad in the past? Anybody? All you ISU fans should be with your hands raised, okay? I really don't know that. I'm just taking shots at you guys. Um, guys, I, I grew up in Michigan. I share that all the time. You're like, shut up about it. I'm not going to shut up about it. Um, but I grew up there, and so obviously I'm a Lions fan, okay? And historically, guys, if you pay attention to the NFL, even if you don't, just know this. They have been horribly bad for years. Like, there's like a curse on them or something. I don't know what's going on, but they're just historically have not been good. Um, this year, we're doing all right, okay? We had a bad loss last week, but we'll bounce back, okay? Um, but here's what happens. You know what happens to teams that historically don't do good, but then suddenly start to do really well? You start to notice fans emerge, right? So it's just like magic, right? You're like, where'd you guys all come from, right? We call them bandwagon fans. Have you heard that phrase before? Bandwagon fans, right? They're here when the team's doing really well. But then... Um, things start to crumble, right? Like, like if they don't keep doing really well, people start to fade away, right? It's like those fans disappear, right? Team's not doing well. Um, and at that moment, the people, they have a choice. Are they committed to this thing or are they out? 
And the same thing is true for Jesus. You see, he, he's looking for followers. He's not just looking for fans. And the Pharisees, they make their decision of whether they're going to follow him or dismiss him. Listen to verse 13. After Jesus told the crowd he's the light of the world to rescue him, the Pharisees, they say, hey, you're testifying about yourself. Who are you to say these things? Really, like, you're just out here saying that you're the light of the world, man. Who's going to back you up? In other words, you're crazy. Jesus, how could you say these things, right? They made their decision. The way that they responded shows that they made their decision, and their decision was this. It was to reject Jesus and to stay in the darkness. That was their decision. But what about you? You want to know why this passage is in Scripture? You want to know why it doesn't just say, I am the light of the world, and then just another statement? The reason why it talks about the Pharisees in there is because It wants us to see that every single one of us in this life, we have an opportunity to respond to Jesus. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? What decision have you made? Have you chosen to follow Jesus or have you chosen to dismiss him? See, guys, my, my greatest fear for your life is that you would go your entire life thinking that you know Jesus, but you actually don't. See, that was the story of the Pharisees. They thought they knew him. They put him in a box. They said, you're not who you say you are. Next. They didn't know him. They totally missed it. When Jesus said he's the light of the world, they're like, you're crazy. They dismissed him. They thought they knew Jesus, but went their whole lives totally missing it. And friend, I hope that that doesn't happen to you. My fear is that you come to Salt Company. Man, you go through the years of Salt Company and... Man, you make some of your greatest friends, some of your greatest memories. You have a great time. You learn a lot about Jesus, but you actually never knew him. Man, I hope that's not true for any of you. Man, like maybe, maybe you're here and you, you, know, you prayed a prayer, um, you know, one time and say, Jesus, I want you to save me, right? And you think that you're good from there. But if you look at your life, you keep living in darkness. Like there's, like if your, if your coworkers, if I were to ask your coworkers or your classmates, hey, is this person a Christian? They would look at me and be like, what are you talking about? Like nothing has changed, right? Like you live in a persistent life of darkness, pursuing the same sins, the same old way of life that you had before Jesus, and nothing has changed. You think you know the light of the world, but you don't. That's my fear. And tonight, Jesus, he's calling you out of the darkness. His invitation to you, not to condemn you and say, hey, man, you prayed that prayer once. Get your act together. You know what Jesus does? And he looks at you and he says, listen, follow me come to rescue you, come to bring you out of the darkness and into the light. See, just like he did back then, he says to each of us now, follow me. Turn from the life you've settled for to the life that you were created for, a life of deep relationship with Jesus. So who is Jesus? See, he's the light of the world. He's a light that rescues you from the darkness. He's the light that welcomes you back home after being in the darkness for so long. He's the light of the world. He's calling you to him. How are you going to respond tonight? Let me pray, and then we'll sing together. Jesus, you are the light of the world. I pray that you would shine brightly tonight in our worship and in our hearts. I pray that this would not just be another moment where we hear another sermon and we kind of do the salt company thing, and I, you know, we hear the Bible preached and all that, and we hear about Jesus. Jesus, I pray that for those who are walking in the darkness, that they would see, Jesus, that you are the light of the world who came to set them free, to show them that they were made for more than the life that they are settling for, 
and that their reason that they can't find a satisfaction, right? There's this, this, this hole in their heart is because they're in the darkness. They're blind to what truly satisfies. And God, I pray that you would open up eyes tonight. I pray that even during the worship, Jesus, I pray that you would encounter people in a fresh way. And that God, even if somebody doesn't know you, that they would come and they decide to follow you tonight. And God, I pray for the believer in the room who's like, man, I know that Jesus is the light of the world. But honestly, honestly, God, I'm convicted that I don't live as light of the world. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be those who surrender our lives to you and say, Jesus, we want to live the way that you want us to live, to say the kind of things you want us to say, to do the things you want us to do. God, help us to be people who obey you and to shine brightly for others. God, we want to live a life. We want to live a life that when people are around us, see us, that they would encounter Jesus, that they would encounter the true light of the world and they say, man, I want what you have. Even if it comes with persecution, even if it means being the Christian in the room, and that people would say, man, I want what you have. Jokes aside, I want what you have. God, would you use us tonight? Jesus, you're the light of the world. We praise you tonight. Pray this in your name. Amen. Will you guys join us? Stand.